uh, it's such a joy to have a great team like this here and, and a great congregation to allow me to go out and expand the kingdom of God. It's exciting. Uh, the couple that we have up there in Wyoming, for those of you who don't know, I was in Wyoming last week, in Pinedale, Wyoming, to be specific, and uh, we have a couple that was with us for five years here, and uh, she was uh, one of our worship leaders, and he taught some classes and, and was very involved in serving in the church, and I remember when they left, we, we prayed for them, we had those final moments, and I said, so you're going to plant a church in Pinedale? And they said, oh no, and now they're planting a church in Pinedale. <laughs> it's a wonderful thing to see the kingdom of God expand, and so uh, there was 39 people there, they have a f- about 48 people, they've only been meeting for three weeks, and so it's, it's a wonderful start, uh, they're out of the gate, uh, literally came out of Gateway Church to Pinedale. They're out of the gate, and they're in the race, and uh, it's exciting, a great group of people. I was standing in the living room with uh, basically the core group of leaders, about eight people, and uh, I I was sharing with them kind of how some of the structure would need to be so it would facilitate their growth and help them to to govern. You know, churches deal with good times and bad times, amen? Ups and downs. It's really no different than our own personal lives, and so you got to have uh, a plan, you got to have structures so that you can deal with those things as they come and, and facilitate the things that need to happen. And oh, by the way, I don't know if you know this group called the IRS, but if you're going to give to support the furtherance of the uh, covenant establishing church, then to give brings them into play. And so you have to make sure those things are in order. So I was talking about some of the things they needed to do. And as I'm sharing with them, we're in this house and it's got a big picture window in the back. And I'm standing there and I'm sharing and all of a sudden I'm like, and a moose is just like walking across their back, like, <laughs> right across the backyard. I'm like, and, and they're like, what's going on? And they turn around and look, they're like, oh yeah, that's Missy. <laughs> you name them? <laughs> you know? And uh, I said, I am sorry, you know, to have this ADD moment, but I don't see a moose. I've never seen a moose just walk across my backyard. And then as I'm speaking, a deer just kind of strolls across the other direction. I'm like, man, this is crazy around here, you know. We got livestock everywhere. But uh, it was a great time, uh, a great group of people, and uh, I just ask you to, to be praying for them. Prayer is the most powerful thing that we can do to, uh, to support others in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, so Damon did a great job last week. Um, when Damon and I were talking, it, I wasn't going to be staying for the Sunday, and uh, they said, hey, we got this new facility, about two weeks out, they said, we got this new facility, we're paying $65 a month for this place, I'm like, man, do I wish I had your deal, you know, <laughs> it's a great facility, and so they're sharing that, and they're like, so would you stay on Sunday and preach for us, I'm like, ooh, uh, I hadn't planned that, and I've got my sermon done, and, and I really want to preach this message. And so, but they kind of kept pressing me, and I said, you know, we got plenty of quality leaders here, Damon being one of those phenomenal leaders that we have, and I said, hey, Damon, I've already got the outline completely done. <laughs> Would you preach this? He goes, sure. And so I send it to him, and I think it was the night before you were reading through it, and you were sharing with Sarah, just like, there is no way Pastor wrote this sermon, because it is literally like my life over the last few years has been this whole process. And uh, 
So in doing that, I don't think you could have had anybody better to speak that to you because Damon's just come through all those things and God's doing amazing things in their life. One of those amazing things is that the Lord has been speaking to their heart to return to North Carolina. I'm not joking. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, the Lord has been speaking to their heart. Now we're in a series on the call of God. The most important thing we can do is answer the call of God on our life and be faithful to that. Love the people around us and serve in context to where God may have us in the moments that we are in. And that's what they're doing. Now, it's not going to be tomorrow. It's April. We're looking at April. And uh, it is sad news, no question about it. But it's also joyful news. I rejoice with them that they know what God is telling them to do. I rejoice with them that, that they've been faithful to this church faithful to their calling to serve in this church all the time that they've been here. You may not know the story. We had a worship leader that had fallen into sin, and we had to set him down and and deal with that matter. I was laying next to my wife in bed one night. You know, you have the pillow talk moments like, man, I just want to throw in the towel. I'm about done with this. It's like, can I just get some solid leaders here? And so I'm laying next, uh, sorry, uh, normally Angie, right there. You are not my wife. (laughs) All right, let me get over here. (laughs) We're moving you next week. (laughs) So so I'm laying next to my wife in in one of these hard moments where you're walking and fulfilling the call of God. There's times that there's disappointments in living out your call, and there's times where there's opportunities. And I'm sitting there saying to her, this is one of those disappointing moments. I'm laying next to her, I'm like, you know, the next worship leader, I just need somebody to come in here that's got some pipes. Somebody say amen. amen. He's got some pipes, right? We're going to miss him. Dear God, send us somebody with a set of pipes like that to be a part of this team again, right? we got some time so it can happen before he goes and he can make sure they know exactly what their job is. So, so in that, I'm laying next to her. I said, man, you know, he needs to be a, uh, just a fun personality. He needs to be a strong leader. Uh, you know, I, I want him to be a, a um, I'm trying to get the word right, uh, a tenor, and I want him to be able to just belt it out. And I said, and his wife needs to be sweet, you know, none of this stuff where the wife is like, you know, you, you meet her and you're like, whoa, you know, black plague kind of thing, right? She just needs to be sweet. And I wouldn't mind if she was a southern belle. And a few months later, Damon and Sarah showed up at the church. We met them, went out to lunch with them, got to talking, and he starts sharing, you know, I've led some worship, and, you know, what are you, a tenor? Oh, really? And I could tell by the way he was communicating that, you know, he's a strong leader. Ah, man, this is interesting. And then Sarah goes, I think we just need to love on people and show them, (laughs) you know, because if we we just love on people and, and, and show them the love of Jesus, you know, I'm going, I look over at Angie, I went, what? Is this happening right now? You know? And lo and behold, bam, that's exactly what happened. Within a matter of weeks, Damon was here on the platform and leading. Let me say to you that where God calls you, he's going to provide for you. It, it's not just a matter of providing the, the finances you need or the things you need, but he'll provide the relationships you need to fulfill what he's called you to do. Somebody say amen in the house of God. He will 
equip you and he will prepare you and he will surround you with the right people. That doesn't mean everything's going to be rosy. There's going to be ups and there's going to be downs. But our response to them, when we're in those crisis moments, do we turn to God or do we turn away from God? And in that moment, it, where it gets as, as real as it is to where you, you, you feel, man, I just I can't do this alone and I need people that, that see what God is doing here, that they have a call as well. And I say those things to my wife and God meets that need. Why? Because the heart is turned to God in prayer saying, will you provide God? Because I don't want to labor in vain where it comes to building your house. See, the Bible says that unless the Lord builds the house, they that labor, labor in vain. And how does God build his house? He chooses people like you and me. He chooses people like us to recognize what he's speaking to our hearts to do. To recognize the gifts and the abilities. To recognize the resources that he's placed in our life so that we can reach out. And meet the needs of others. That we can display and show the love of Christ in the lives of other people. Can you say amen? And so today we're going to take a look. Um, you know, now not to just end it there. Uh, we will make sure we send them off in style as we do here at Gateway. Uh, on it. And I just want to say they, they prayed through this pretty hard. So none of those witchcraft prayers that say, God, shut every door. <laughs> Don't let them leave, you know, none of that stuff. Pray God's blessing over their life. Trust me this, God will bless us as we bless them in their going and fulfilling what God's called them to do, amen? And uh, so as a result of that, Damon's going to be preaching a couple times a month is what I'm thinking, just to make sure we get everything we can out of him while he's still here, amen? Uh, Damon and I talked, he also will be serving on Gateway's uh, Board of Directors, we're not going to lose his influence. He will, he will stay a part of an influence here at Gateway. I think he served and invested his life in a tremendous way, he and Sarah. And uh, going to miss those kids for sure, too. So keep them lifted up in your prayers as their life is in the midst of transition. Amen? So today, here's what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about the call of God and lessons that we learn from the life of Moses. Now, our key scripture uh, for this series has been out of Hebrews 12. In verse 1, it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Say the race marked out for me. We need to recognize what that is and not let anything stand in the way. Don't let sin stand in the way and don't let things that happen to you, those things that can weigh you down, don't let them stand in the way of pressing toward the mark of your high call. Our thought for today then is this. When life has taken some difficult turns, let go of your disappointments and embrace your opportunities. When life has taken some difficult turns, let go of your disappointments and embrace your opportunities. We go to Exodus 3, 1 through 10. And it says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. 
Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, it's just the way God is, saints. He does something in your life, and he'll watch you to see if you take note of what he's doing. Watch this. And so uh, he turned aside to look, and God called. Uh, whoa, 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 let me go back. A great sight, why the bush did not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. This is double enunciation. Why does God do that? He speaks and then he speaks beside himself. He speaks and then he confirms that he's speaking to you. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet. For the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Now later on, you know in the story of Moses, he wants to look upon God, and then God lets him know, no, you can't look at me. You can look at my hindsight, but you can't look at me from the front. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to a place of the Canaanites, the Heatites, the Amorites, the Pezzarites, the Hevites, the Jebusites, and the Mosquito Bites. trying to keep you focused <laughs> you get all those sights and you're going what in the world is all that listen to this now therefore behold the cry of the children of israel has come to me and i have also seen the oppression with which the egyptians oppress them come now therefore and i will send you to pharaoh that you might bring my people the children of israel out of egypt i subject to you that in that sense, this is God calling Moses. This, I mean, th there's a point. He's a baby. If we look at the life of Moses, look, there's no way we can do justice to these characters in one sermon, right? But we get a good snapshot. Let me take you back. He's the only one from his generation that's spared. All the rest of them are killed. Pharaoh's concerned about the greatness of the children of Israel. And so what he does is orders all the babies to and under. He, he orders them to be killed. By the way, that is a type and shadow of the Christ because if you remember in Christ's time the king orders all the babies to be killed and Christ the deliverer is pulled out from among that right where does he go he goes to Egypt <laughs> is that not interesting when you see those kind of things those parallels that go on in scripture they're not by accident they're meant to confirm for us that God is true and that we can trust what his word says and so here's uh, uh, Moses he's drawn out of the water at, at a couple years old and he's spared, and not only is he spared, now this is injustice going on, we understand that, he's subjected to injustice, there's disappointment for the children of Israel, there's disappointment for Moses, there's disappointment for Moses' mama, but God's grace is at work, even in those disappointing moments, how do we know that, because in the moment that, that, Joseph, or excuse me, that Moses is drawn from that river, his sister Miriam is standing off from the distance, and he sees Pharaoh's daughter pull him up out of the river Nile, and she runs up, Hey, do you want me to go get you a wet nurse? Do you want me to go get you somebody to help raise the baby and, and nurse the baby? 
Yes, that would be great. Why don't you go? Look, I'm paraphrasing a lot. So you're not going to go in there and go, wow, look, great. It's not going to say that, but you get my point. It is, so she runs back, and what does she do? She gets Moses' mama. Moses' mama still gets to nurse her baby and raise her child in the house of Pharaoh. That's God's grace at work in the midst of that disappointment for his purpose in the life of Moses and in the life of the children of Israel. And what we're reading here is that moment where it all intersects that God says, hey, Moses, now's the time. But Moses grows up in the house of Pharaoh, and we know that as he's growing up in the house of Pharaoh, he's being educated in the house of Pharaoh. He knows how to handle situations. He's a diplomat. He's a prince. And the day comes when he goes out, and he's strolling through the kingdom, and he sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, a slave. And he's angered. See, he knows, he knows the injustice of being taken from his people, He's raised in the house of Pharaoh, and, and by the way, when you read the story in life of Moses, you'll find out that he had an anger problem. Moses had issues with anger. I, I don't know why. You're two years old. You get taken from your family. Your mom gets to raise you. You've been in the house of Pharaoh. You're no longer among your people, but you're among the foreigners of the land, and being raised as one of their children when you're really not. That just may be something that could cause a little bit of frustration, uh, produce great disappointment in your life. And calls there to be a root of anger, if you will. Because what we know is later on, Moses is the one that gives us the Ten Commandments from God, right? Thou shalt not murder. Moses murdered that Egyptian for beating the Hebrew slave, and that was not part of God's plan. We, we will never know how God might have worked those things out, but what we do know is when those disappointing moments come, when others do things to us or we make bad decisions, what ends up happening is if we'll submit to God, he'll work all things together for good. Those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Moses was called according to God's purpose. And, and Moses had a love for God. And as a result, God then begins to, to move things so that they're going to come out the way he intended them to come out. Moses uh, kills the Egyptian. He buries him. He's thinking uh, everything's copacetic. You know, it's, it's good. It's okay. Nobody really knows. Just the Hebrews know. And, you know, I, I saved a Hebrew, so, you know, they're going to be okay. And then he sees a Hebrew beating on a Hebrew one day. He says, why are you beating on your brother? It's like, what are you going to do, murder me like you did the Egyptian? He's like, oh, snap, you know. <laughs> I got to get out of here. And he takes off running to the backside of the desert. He's like, oh, my gosh, this matter is known. Pharaoh will find out. And he takes off running. And runs, if you will, from responsibility. The thing about responsibility, you might be able to get around it for a moment. You might be able to put it off. But sooner or later, responsibility comes knocking again. Can you say amen? Mm -hmm. Just to, to give you that final overview, the first 40 years of Moses' uh, life, if you will, Moses was learning to be somebody. Write that down. The first 40 years of his life, he's growing up in the house of Pharaoh, and he's becoming somebody. I know what I will do. I'll deliver this Egyptian or this uh, Hebrew from the Egyptian. I'll take this matter into my own hand. He's become somebody. The second 40 years of Moses' life, he was learning to be a nobody. He learned to be a nobody. On the backside of the desert, Moses came to the point of not seeing himself as the deliverer of the children of Israel. His last 40 years, Moses learned 
how to help everybody. Moses was brought to that place of serving everyone else. Matter of fact, his father Jethro, Jethro has to come to him when he's serving all Israel, and he says to him, look, you know, you're here day and night judging the matters of the people, trying to help them uh, maintain harmony and, and, and a rest among them as a people. And you do this day and night. This thing you do is not good. You and this people shall surely wither away. Choose you out, elders from among them, so that they can judge the, the smaller matters and you can handle the weightier matters. So, so Jethro was giving him some, some order and some direction so that he would be able to endure the call of God and, and finish the call of God on his life. But Moses' heart was this. My first 40, 40 years was all about becoming somebody. My second 40 years, I came to a place of not thinking that I was anybody. And now that I'm here, I want to serve everybody. Is that good? Moses lived for 120 years, and for all the disappointments, Moses overcame them and served others with humility and became a great man of God. So in your notes there, the idea of focusing on our disappointments and what they do to us, number one, they can paralyze you with fear. They can paralyze you with fear. Isaiah 43, 18 through 19, this is the Message Bible. Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't, don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert, rivers, in the badlands. And really, that's what God did with Moses. <laughs> he was in the desert place. You know, uh, one of the hardest things I ever went through in ministry, Angie and I, when I was 24 years old, I was under a man in ministry, and he fell morally. And as a result of that, I, I was hurt, she was hurt, we are just like done with ministry, if you will. Came that place like, you know, and, and, and you know, I just thought, you know, I was God's man of faith and power for the hour at 24. I knew everything, you know what I'm saying? Any 24-year-olds in the room today? Teenagers? All his parents know, you teenagers know everything, right? And at 24, I thought I, I knew more than I really did. See, and I, I had that situation, and then so I found out my eyes was so on man that when that man failed me, I filtered who my God was through his actions. And then I even got hard-hearted towards God in, in my relationship. And as a result of that, and this is the irony of it, is that Angie and I moved to Ohio. I worked in construction, and she goes, you want to go to church? No, I don't want to go to church. Bunch of hypocrites what I was right it's what we all are we're hypocrites in need of a savior trying to work out our salvation with fear and trembling unto God but we don't always get it right do we see the thing that keeps us from being a hypocrite is to recognize that fact to recognize our need for a savior and to be humble enough to be open to allow him to be the savior submit to him and let him order our life amen here's the irony of it one day I'm watching the History Channel and there's a, there's a show on about um, Moses and it's Bob Carnuke, which is from somewhere here in Colorado. He's a forensic investigator and it was all this research, historical research on uh, Moses and the journey and all of those things. And uh, he's there. I would always say, I'd say, you know, we're just in the wilderness. We're in the wilderness, right? We're in the wilderness. We're just in the wilderness. God doesn't see us anymore. <laughs> he he doesn't understand what I've gone through. 
the many disappointments. I wasn't seeing opportunities because I was focused. I was paralyzed by my disappointment. Paralyzed by the fear of trusting again when my trust had been broken. Come on, somebody. And I'm watching this show, and all of a sudden it comes on, and it says, Mount Horab. It was a place of the desert. It was the mountain of God, but it was in the desert. And we lived in Mount Horab. I'm not even joking. In Ohio, we lived in Mount Horab. And I said to her, I said, oh my gosh, we're really in the place of the wilderness. We got to move, man. <laughs> what was it, about two months later? We're out of there. We moved to uh, Batavia, place of the mountain view. <laughs> you know, I said, forget this mess, man. We're not staying in the wilderness. And God did some amazing things in our life. You got to move beyond your fear so that you're capable of embracing your opportunities. Two, it can cause you to fester with anger. It can cause you to fester with anger. Here, Exodus 2.11, Now it came to pass in those days when Moses had grown, well, was grown, that he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. And we know in that moment, Moses killed him. It, look, it's like, yeah, but, you know, Moses was the deliverer. God did not intend murder to be the way that he delivered Israel. And oftentimes what happens is, is we, can, we can end up in that, in that place of taking matters into our own hands. And just so you know, that's a moment where we're not in the call of God. We're not in the will of God. We are in self-will, and we begin to do things that actually move us away from God's call on our life. Many times it takes a process to get us back on track so that those opportunities can be seen again. Number three, it can make you give up on your call. Exodus 4, 13. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else. Send anyone else. Don't, uh, you know, I've been back here for 40 years. I can't go back here. I murdered an Egyptian. I, I can't go back to that place. And I've been over here for 40 years. I'm not even capable of speaking well now. I, I can't even talk, Lord. He goes, that's okay. Your brother Aaron will speak for you, but you're gone. You're the man that I've chosen. You're the one that I've called, and so you need to go fulfill your calling. See, even when we were back there, I remember, I'm done. I don't want to be in ministry. I don't want to be a pastor anymore. I'm, I'm done with it. And I filtered my God through that experience of a man, and what happened was is I had it flipped around. I should have filtered him through God and through God's word. And recognized it for what it is. All men fall short of the glory of God. We're all in need of a Savior. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've gone our own way. He had gone his own way. He had done his own things. And the reality was, I was looking at him more than I was God. Come on, somebody. And you want to know something? It was only when God got that all in its right standing. Because that's exactly what I was saying. Send somebody else, Lord. You know, another one that did that was um, Jonah. Y'all remember Jonah? See, Jonah's people had been uh, killed, put into slavery. God's like, hey, go to Nineveh. Nineveh was the one that had put him into slavery. I want you to go and prop, but God, you'll, you'll, I'll speak these things and they'll repent and then you'll forgive them. I'm not going to Nineveh because you'll go do that. I'll do it and then you'll forgive them and I want them to die. 
I go give the word of the Lord, they could repent. I don't want them to repent. I want you to judge them and bring them down. Hmm? I'm not going. Come on now. Y'all ever done that? I'm not going to do it, Lord. I'm not going to forgive that person. I'm not going to serve people, God. I'm not going to tithe. <laughs> oh, I just figured I'd spin off what you said. <laughs> it's all about being in covenant with God. It's all about recognizing that we're his children and where he calls us to go, where he leads us. And the things that he wants to do in our life, he's going to provide for us. But we step out first and then God does his part. Why? Because he's asking us to be obedient. He was asking Moses to be obedient. Moses was like, how am I going to, what am I going to do? He's like, I, I, he goes, we got there. He throw that staff on the ground, you know, throws it on the ground. So we know all about the plagues that took place, right? It, it's that whole idea of the little brother, big brother, if you will, or daddy, son, you know, the kids picking on the little one. And they're over there. Come here. Come here. You pick on Angie. <laughs> so. You know, and it's kind of like this. Uh, we, we will say this. We'll say Pharaoh Moses, okay? All right? Pharaoh without question has got great power. Moses is messed up. <laughs> Stop messing around. I'm trying to preach. Come on. Get, face each other. But what happens, see, God comes up behind, and, and Pharaoh hardens his heart over and over again. And then God goes, plague, plague, plague. What's he, he does it through Moses, right? And, and, and what's he doing? He's showing forth his power. Pharaoh continues to harden his heart. In a sense, God's the one that hardened him. Why? Because God had an intent of breaking him. You know, things, the harder things are, the more they break. When they do, it's not just broken a little bit, it shatters. And the kingdom of Egypt, if you will, through that situation, was shattered. God doesn't just do a little on your behalf. God does a lot. He's not just going to, I'll just do this little bit and help you along so then you can take it over. God says, no, I'm going to thoroughly annihilate your enemy when jesus died on the cross it looked like god wasn't there but it was god hanging on the tree and he shattered the works of the enemy it all comes down to recognizing it do you know that the slaves could have stayed in egypt thinking i'm not gone i know the lord's called us out yeah these plagues have come Pharaoh said, go ahead, go, just get out of here. I'm not going. I'm going to stay right here. Nope, they packed their stuff. Not only did they pack their stuff, the Bible says that not one of them left their feeble. And they left with gold and silver and cattle and on and on. They left wealthy. See, when it says he calls us out of darkness into his marvelous light, yeah, it's not just referring to you know, that eternal moment when we die and then we're in heaven, God's saying we are his now. We're, we're in this world, not of it. God is behind us right now where it comes to anything the devil would try and do in our life because of the work of Christ. Our Moses, our deliverer, 
And when we see it for what it is, it's an embrace of faith that brings about heaven's manifestation in our life. We pleaded to send anyone else. I was in that place. Angie would, let's go to church on Easter. Well, it's Easter, you know. We call them two times, you know, it's like, well, I go to church on Easter and Christmas. And, and here's my, th- okay, I want to raise my kid. We sent them to church, but I didn't go to church. Isn't that horrible? Say amen. And Angie's like, honey, it's Easter. Could we all just dress up? You know, they got the pretty hats on and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, sure. So we go, that Sunday, the pastor preaches the message about Jonah. And as he's doing it, he gets to that point and he says, do we have any Jonas in here? And I just went, me? He was like, <laughs> completely lost what he was preaching. <laughs> I don't think he expected anybody to be that honest, but I was. I don't want to do what God called me to do. I don't want to be faithful to what God called me to do because I'm probably going to get hurt again. And I don't want to give you my life to do what you've called me to do because I don't want to get hurt again. If you serve people, if you help people that are hurting, chances are you're going to get hurt. You just need to know what to do with the hurt. Can you say amen? That way you fulfill your call and you don't give up on it. So to embrace your opportunities, you have to have faith in God's call on your life. To embrace your opportunities, have faith in God's call on your life. One, recognize that God is already at work in you. He's already at work in you. Hebrews eleven twenty three. by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw, excuse me, they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. They defied the king's command because they knew God was doing something in their child. That was their call to protect Moses so that he could fulfill his call. You see that? What's your call? What, what's, the, what's the foundation? What's the, the, the foundation of your call? What is that the foundation of in somebody else's life? That if you're faithful with your calling, what will your children do? If you're faithful with your calling, what will the people around you do? Will they maybe be faithful with their calling because they've seen the example of faithfulness to the call of God in your life? To refuse to be defined by anything but God. Hebrews eleven twenty four through 27, by faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God that, uh, than to enjoy the passing pleasure of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he looked to the reward by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Let me just say this. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's written in the New Testament and all the way back in the Old Testament. Moses was exercising the kind of faith that God calls us to exercise once we give our life to Christ. That is in and of itself the first step of faith. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Anybody had Jesus appear to them? It's like, you know, show up, physical body, you know, like Thomas has to put his finger in the holes in his hand. I won't believe unless I put my finger in the holes in his hand. Jesus is like, poof. Thomas is like, whoa. <laughs> Sorry, that was a little loud. 
And Jesus goes, here you go, Thomas. Wow, man, that's crazy. Thomas, you've seen, because you've seen, you believe. But blessed are they who have not seen and believe. Blessed are the ones that, that you know, have the substance of things hoped for and don't have the evidence of things, you know, that they haven't seen. They're the ones that are blessed. Why? Because it is a living faith. It's of spirit and not of flesh. The things of God are born of spirit. They're not born of flesh. That's why when, well, if you can show me or you can prove it to me, you can have those debates all day long, but that'll never satisfy God because the Bible says that when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith in the earth? And without faith, it is impossible to please God. We have to have faith if we're going to please him. So recognize that God has already worked in you. Refuse to be defined by anything but God. And three, reflect salvation to others around you. Recognize that you are an instrument in the hands of God. In whatever capacity, how are people around you hurting? What is it that, that they've been through that God has gifted you to be able to reach out to them and minister healing in their life, to minister hope in their life? to draw them as a matter of your own personal witness to faith in Jesus Christ. They have to have their own faith, but your witness can certainly be great influence to them to say, if God did it for you, he would do it for me. Hebrews eleven twenty eight through 29 says, By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. Now, if you don't know what that is, in, in this story, again, Moses' story, it comes to that final moment. The final plague is this. He's going to kill. God's going to send the angel of death. He's going to kill all the firstborn in the land because Moses still won't let him go. By the way, it's because he's going to give his only begotten son. You know what? I'm going to give my son for all. And this is where the Passover is established. This is where the, the sprinkling of the, the blood of Jesus Christ that washes our sins away. This is where this gets established right here. And it's like Moses put the blood over every doorpost. And wherever that blood is, I'll pass over and I won't, take the, I won't take the life of the firstborn. So they go through and what do they do? They put the blood, they plead the blood, if you will, over that household. And God will pass over that household. But anybody that's not under the blood will not be spared and the firstborn will be taken. Now in this, by faith, they pass through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. Baptism doesn't work for those that aren't believers. That's what water baptism really is. It's an acknowledgement of the blood of Jesus Christ that's washed my sins away, and I enter into a watery grave, bury my old carnal man to come up and walk in the new and living way according to the word of God and the work of God in me through Christ Jesus. Hmm. When you, when you understand in this moment when God sweeps through that land and takes the firstborn, that was not a quiet moment or an easy moment. And it takes place. And Moses through that now is established as a deliverer. Why? Because it was that moment when all that happened. Moses told him, well, Pharaoh, here's what's going to happen. Pharaoh's, I don't care. We'll see if that's going to happen. Harden his heart. And it happens. And through that act of obedience on Moses' part, 
through the act of obedience and the children of Israel to follow what Moses said the Lord had commanded them to do, they were spared, but Egypt was not. Moses opened a door. See, everything Moses was doing was opening a door for others to walk through. Opening a gate, you could say it that way. Hmm. Jesus says he sets before us an open door. A number of months ago, we did a series on that. He sets before us an open door. Moses opened a door out of slavery into freedom to worship God and to pursue God and to seek God and to allow God to be the source and supply of their life. He proved that to them over and over and over again in the wilderness and had for them that promised land that they were going to be able to enter in. See, the promised land marked this. Miracles of quail and manna coming and just falling from heaven and feeding them. That would all cease when they went into the land to possess what God had given them. See, God does a miracle in salvation. He does think we, we, we recognize it and we see him at work in our life. And there's something about that to just, wow, that's so amazing. And I want this to happen all the time. But he wants us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling unto him. Because he is the one that we'll give an account for our lives too. The children of Israel stood on this side, but the grapes are great. I mean, the produce of the land is phenomenal, but there's giants in the land. If God said you can possess the land, you can possess the land. See, no matter what your disappointments, no matter what your circumstances, see, I've been slaves before, and I'm like, these are bigger than the Egyptians. <laughs> you know, what are we going to do here? It's like, let's just stay out here and eat quail and manna. Let's just live in the wilderness. That's not where God called them to. He called them to the promised land. Miracles are great, but you know what's even greater? Is the miracle working within you that God has empowered you to possess your land, to live out your salvation, to have confidence, and to have a courage, if you will, to be who God called you to be, to answer that call and become a deliverer, if you will, to others. He is the deliverer, but God has called you to bring deliverance to those around you with the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look, in reflecting uh, as I close on the idea of, if you will, letting go of your disappointment and embracing your opportunities, that's all Moses did. Enough disappointments in his life, but it was each time he embraced his opportunities that God did great things. I want to show you a video of a young man who was bullied in school. Hold on, just so I know you're not starting that yet. A young man that was bullied in school and, you know, he's not talking about God or anything, but he's identifying his disappointments. He's overcoming those disappointments, and what he's doing is embracing the opportunity within his disappointments. And what he becomes is a deliverer to other people. And you're going to see that it's just through humility. That's Moses became humble, and when he became humble, he was able to serve others. Whatever you've been through, understand others are going through it as well. And because of that, when you're going through those things... Begin to identify with what God is doing in your life so that you can help others know what God can do in their life. Watch this video. You know, Moses simply did the same thing. You know, he wanted to be somebody, became nobody, and in turn became somebody to others who opened a door. When you think about that story, I would challenge you, you know, What's your story? You know, we see things like this, and they're inspiring. We read stories like Moses's, and it's inspiring. But 
you are meant to have an inspiring story. You have a call of God on your life. And oftentimes, it's the disappointments that we hold on to that keep us from embracing the opportunities that God has in front of us. Would you stand your feet with me this morning? what I want to do if you've had some disappointments that you faced and you'd like to embrace your opportunities and let those things go I just want to ask you to perform a simple act get out of your seat come down here to the front I want to pray over you this morning I want it to be very personal and specific it doesn't have to be long I just want it to be personal and specific if you've got things you want to let go and you want to embrace the opportunities that God has for you, get out from where you are right now and come down here to the front and let me just pray over you, please. Hallelujah. Praise you, Father. We magnify you, Lord. Hallelujah. Just begin to sing, Lord. just ask you to lift your hands as we worship just surrender those disappointments to God it's more than one identify them one by one and just begin to turn those things over to God if you're sitting in your seat and you still want to come up here you get out and come on up hallelujah Father, in Jesus' name, saints, would you stretch your hands out to those that are up here? And if you're sitting where you're at and you still have disappointments, you know what? Just lay your hand on your heart and yield those things over to God. Heavenly Father, we know, Lord, where we put steps, Lord God, where we respond to the things that you're speaking to our hearts. That God, we're exercising faith and your ability to work on our behalf. So, Father, in Jesus' name right now, I pray for these, and for this whole congregation, that God, that the disappointments that they faced, that they would be in the rearview mirror. It would truly be things of the past because, God, their eyes begin to set on the opportunities, Lord God, that you have before them. I pray, God, where hope has been deferred and it's made their hearts sick, that, Lord, you would give them vision. You would give them revelation. And, God, they would know the call that you have on their life. And that, Lord, they would pursue it without apology. They would pursue it, Father, by your grace. And, Father, they wouldn't see themselves as being great, but being, Lord, in relationship with a great God who can make them great. Lord, by your grace. And I pray, Father, that the, the burdens, the disappointments, Lord God, that members of this congregation are facing in their finances, Lord, I break the spirit of poverty in the lives of our people. God, where better decisions need to be made, I pray, Lord, that you would give them wisdom. Your word says that if a man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally. And I pray that wisdom, Lord God, would begin to order every aspect of their life. 
that, Lord, they would see your hand moving upon, Lord, every situation that disappoints them. Not that you're some holy uh, slot machine that we just pull the arm on, but you're a loving father. And we see you as a loving father who cares for his children when we honor you. This morning, Father, say this with me, church. Heavenly Father, we honor you this morning. We invite you to be involved in every part of our life. We invite you, God, to reorder areas that are out of order. God, we invite you to help us understand your grace all the more. And Lord, we invite you to bless our socks off so that we can be a blessing to others. God, let us open doors for others. Because we know, okay, we do do that again. We know where your kingdom is first. God, where we seek it and all your righteousness. The rest is added to us. So, Father, we yield to your will. And we accept our call to represent you in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. Enjoy your week.